0: Let's uh, jump into uh, James chapter 5. James, Yaakov, the brother of Jesus Christ, same mom, different dad, half-brother, I guess, writes us a letter, and we're in the fifth chapter. A lot here. We'll see if we get through it all this morning. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, bless your word, because it's your word. We live by it, we love it, we, we, we set our compass by it, we take your word very seriously, we're not hearers only, but we want to incorporate it in our life in such a way that glorifies you, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we finished chapter 4, except for verse 17, because I thought it would need longer treatment, and it was getting close to the end of the service, and I didn't want to rush it. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, people make a big deal of calling this, it's the sin of omission. Now, if you commit a sin, adultery, lying, bearing false witness, that's a sin of commission. This is a sin of omission. They make a big deal of that, like as we categorize and classify sins. I grew up in the Catholic faith, and they have this thing called venal sins and mortal sins. You say, I don't remember reading that in Scripture because it's not in Scripture. They have this... How many of you guys know this already? Okay, a few of you. They have this sin classification system, like telling a little white lie or petty theft or something like this. They classify it and they call it venal sin. It's not not like sin is going to get you to hell. It's just you shouldn't do it. Shame, shame, don't you do that. And then they have this awful sin, like adultery, a murder, not going to church on Sunday. You're saying, you're joking. Uh, No, no, not going to church, not going to Mass on Sunday is a mortal sin. And if you die and you have a mortal sin, it's a one-way ticket to hell. And now you're saying, well, isn't all sin a one-way ticket to hell? Isn't the wages of sin still death? I mean, if you think about what, what Adam did, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was it? Was it an apple? Adam's apple? Was it really that? By the way, I have an iPhone. <laughs> when you turn it on, it's got a picture of an apple with a bite taken out of it. I'm not sure if a guy named Adam should even have such a device on him. It's, I always get a little nerved up about that. Was it an apple? Was it a dragon fruit? Was it a... Who knows? By the way, who cares? The Bible doesn't tell us. It's the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we've bitten... And now we think we're God. We think we know better than God what right and what wrong is. You say, not really. Don't you watch the news? Don't, haven't, don't, don't you listen to the debates? Don't you listen to what's going on out there? It's situational ethics. We'll say what's right and what's wrong. It's not murder. It's abortion. It's choice. We ate the apple. We ain't giving back that choice. We'll tell God what's right and we'll tell God what's wrong. Or oh, so they say. But what did, what did they actually, what did, what did Adam do that was actually so incredibly awful? God said, don't eat the fruit, he ate the fruit. Wouldn't that be kind of in the venial, <laughs> venal sins category? I don't know if it's venial or venal, I can never remember. What is it? Venial with an I, venial. Isn't that be kind of like the lower, ca- you'd think, God said, in the day you do that, you're going to die. Why? Because I told you not to do it, and the wages of sin is death is always, and you can never show me that, big class of sin, little class of sin. And we kind of do that in our own selves. We think, like, this is big and this is little in the way it affects lives. And you can make that distinction if you want, but I just want to be like Jesus Christ. I don't want to do any sin. Now, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If, any man, if we confess our sins, homologo, say the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin, what's that? That it's sinful. That's worthy of death. That's worthy of damnation. If we come to that place, then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We'll say, so I didn't do it. Well, I know, that's the problem. <laughs> James is saying, yeah, you didn't, and you should have. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good. So I have an opportunity to do something, bless somebody. Help out, be a Christian, just show Christianity to somebody. I have an opportunity to preach the gospel, but I punk out. I have an opportunity to share with somebody, but I withhold. I have an opportunity to help in real and tangible ways, but I don't. Now, I don't want to categorize, okay, because I I hate that categorizing, all sin is worthy of damnation, the wages of sin is still death. The ones you do and the ones you refrain from doing. And sometimes the problem is you didn't do anything. You got a guy at work. I didn't break it. I haven't done anything since I've been here. He's bragging, right? He, I, yeah, I never did anything wrong. I never do anything. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. It's not just what you do. It's sometimes what you don't do that you know you're supposed to be doing. Go now to... Now, here he puts on this prophetic voice, okay? And he talks, speaks like a prophet. This whole thing is written to... Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1. I can't turn the pages with this hand. It's James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, believers, right? Which are scattered abroad. He's writing to the Is He's writing to Christians and non-Christians. He's writing to Christians. And now, in verse chapter 5, verse 1, there's a debate whether he's writing to Christians or not. Because some of the things he said don't sound very Christian. Go now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. And half of you just checked out. Well, I'm a rich man. I'm okay. (laughs) I think we're all rich comparatively. And this may or may not be speaking to you. Maybe you're okay in this situation. By the way, I'm one who always says it's okay to be okay with God. Not everything we read Hits us between the eyes because we're messing up. Sometimes we've got things right with God. Praise God. Okay, but listen to you rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Some people trust their bank account more than they trust Jesus Christ. I hope you have a big bank account. I hope you have a lot of money set aside for retirement. That can change in a hurry. Did your 401 this week become a 201K because of cause coronavirus worries? Yeah, yeah, that can change in a hurry, can't it? So our trust, our hope, is in God. It always is. I don't care how large your bank account is. Yes, yes, put money aside for rainy days. That's a, that's a good, that's a godly thing. That's a Christian principle, and our trust is in God. Now their trust is in their riches. They're the ones, look at, Back in chapter 4, verse 13, Go to now, ye that say, tomorrow or today, we will uh, go into such a city, continue their year, and buy and sell, and get gain. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life, it's a vapor, it's a puff of smoke, it's, it's, a, it's a mist. And then it goes away. It appears for a little time. You can't plan your future like you're in, in charge of everything that's going to happen. We have this saying, the best laid plans of mice and men. Why do we have that saying? Because we understand that we make all these plans which may or may not come to fruition. Make your plans. I don't think God's against that. Don't live like, wake up like every day is like, now what do I do? I mean, you have an idea. You get up a certain time. You go to a job. Uh, You should be there on time. You should have a plan on what you're going to do when you get there. Those things are fine. I don't think it's what he's speaking against. But we live kind of like the idea oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do, I t- talk to kids, you know, I got a 5-year plan, I got a 10-year plan, I got a 15-year plan. We're going to do this, we're going to have this. And they think that <laughs> how he's this kind of laugh. You know, when people get married and they're they're like for better or for worse in in, in sickness and in health. In you know, richness and poverty and all—they pre- they, they promise all these things, and we're all laughing. We've been married a long time because we know all that stuff's going to happen. It's not on their five-year plan. It's not on their ten-year plan. It's not on their twenty-year plan. They are thinking well, by this time I'm going to have this much, and then you know, by the time I pay off all these loans and I got this all going, and I'm going to retire at forty and maybe forty-one. If things are a little dicey, we'll see how it goes, and it never works out that way. Why? Hey, factor God in. Now have your plans. Plan. That's good. But he 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 says we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or this. Now now look, it's the flow. It's still it's chapter five is for our benefit. When James wrote this, he didn't say, okay, chapter five, right? He he just wrote it one letter. And now in the flow of this, listen, you rich men, you got you got riches, that's good. It's often See, we see in scripture how often God blesses with wealth, and we think of men like Job and ones like Abraham and ones like David. And God knows how to bless. He's a He's our loving heavenly Father. He doesn't always bless with extreme wealth. Um, but he he knows how to, he does that, but his people who are trusting in their wealth, what's what's the problem? Well, look at verse 2, your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were a fire, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. Again, he's the prophetic voice, and he's talking about you guys got gold and silver? Yeah, I got a 401k, don't you? I got a, you know, a bank account, it's not at zero. It's slightly above that, right? Well, a checking account. You never have, you know, fourteen thousand in your checking account, do you? Or do you? Maybe you do. I don't know. We don't. We don't, right? Okay. She said no. Uh, you know, it's funny. I have to turn to her and ask. I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea. I, I, the bills are getting paid. They haven't turned off the lights. I'm happy. You know, I get this check that goes directly in my bank account. It used to come to me, and I'd give it to her, and she'd. Scribble on it and cash it. I've ever wrote my own check, uh, signed it. They'd that, that arrest me for fraud or something. I don't know, uh, but because I just let her take care of everything, it's taken care of. What do I need money for? Just bless her. Here, here's money. Buy stuff. Okay. Oh, pay the bills and all. But whatever. Uh, and I think that's. But I have gold and silver, not real. I mean, we don't have our holdings in gold or silver, but we have. Wealth set aside. You guys have wealth, a measure of it, right? We're not wealthy I, by any stretch, but we have we have money set aside, like people have worked all their lives, generally do, right? Don't have faith in them. Gold, and the silver's cankered. Rust of them shall be a witness against you. Again, just look at what happened last week. Um, you've heaped up treasure together. What for the last days? Behold, the hire of your laborers who have reaped uh, down your fields, which is which is of you kept back by fraud crieth, and the cries of them that have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now, um, a couple things here. You say I don't have any fields, and nobody's reaping anything. It's talking about people who hire other people, pay them a fair wage. Well, I gotta take out workers' comp on them, and I gotta pay for the health insurance. But you know, I gotta by the time I pay them even minimum wage, it's up to like I gotta bill out for them like sixty dollars an hour. Hey, listen, I know, I know. I have friends who are in different businesses um, who are in uh, construction, and uh, and I have a good friend, and he always wants to pay you know good wage so that you know people don't curse his name. So they, when he wants to hang on the good employees, and and the billing it, it it can be substantial. I get it. I understand. Um, Christians aren't known for their generosity. When it, they're generally thought of as tightwads, when they're employers, that's sad. That's that's got to change. That's unacceptable. I mean, it just is. I don't hire anybody. I'd like to if I was you know an employer instead of an employee. I'd like to think people working for us are just very well off. And, and get you know share the wealth. I take a a little less of a of a cut so that somebody else have a little more of a cut. And I think this is what scripture is telling us. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Been wanting is you know taking your pleasures. The idea of i uh, taking care of my own stuff and that guy works for me. Well he should take a lot less. My business. I'm the one taking the risk. And I understand that too. I really understand that. It's hard to be a businessman especially in a place like Maine. It really is. Harry's warning, just, you know, do right by your workers. Now, this is a part where, where people will say, you have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. No, he's not writing to Christians. We don't, we don't kill and condemn the just. I was talking to an African-American gentleman today, uh, this week. All this week we had, um, it was... Uh, our superintendents for the company and the foreman came up from uh, all over, from Virginia, uh, the ones down in New Hampshire and all those in Maine, and we were all meeting at just Catering over in Brewer, and brewing. about 90 of us, and I taught them different things as far as safety was concerned, things like this, and I, at lunchtime I was talking to this one gentleman, like I say, he was African-American, he was talking about Christianity, he was talking about slaves, and I was thinking about this verse here, you have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. You've you have behold the hire of the labor who have reaped down your fields, which have which is of you kept back by fraud. They cry, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Now the Lord of Sabbath is the Lord of angel armies. Not angel isn't the word there. Sabbath is the Lord of armies. You think it's the Lord of the Sabbath. It's not saying that. He's saying he's the Lord of armies. Okay? What kind? Angelic. What other kind? And it's kind of a warning. It's kind of an implied threat there. That's why he's mentioned at that point. Do right. God's come back, and he's going to make all the scales come out right. He's going he's to make all wrongs right. That's it's, it's, it's how he does, right? So when you, you know thinking in those terms, that's how you're supposed to be. Is this true of slave owners? You have, Behold, the higher the laborers will reap down your fields. Which is of you kept back by fraud? They cry, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the God of angel armies. Yeah, that is true of slavery. So you have to be a slave owner for this to be true. Now I think you just pay somebody slave wages. You you, you keep them back. You keep them on, You keep them oppressed. You keep people down. Um, you say, boy Adam, you sound like a like a socialist. I I don't want to. I really don't want to. I'm just talking about Christians and. Being generous, I'm not saying the government should step in and tell you, uh, you know that's a that's a different thing, a it, it critter altogether. And i i think I think Robin Hood was a thief. Okay, I'm I'm not of that. You know, uh, people co-op now because the debate's out there, and I got to talk to you about this. Why? Because I don't want to be verse 17 of chapter four. To them who know what to do good and do with it not. There's a big debate out there. And like socialists have kind of won the day and they throw it in our face like you guys aren't very Christian. You don't you don't take confiscate all this guy's wealth and give it to this person over here? Thought about that. What what verse are you reading? What what where in the Bible does say that? Does God tell us about ownership and private Property and wealth. Yeah, he put a commandment together. Thou shalt not steal. If you're a government, you can't steal. Okay? Let's redistribute. Okay? You're the working one. Let's take all your stuff and let's give it to these people who won't work or can't work or, or shouldn't work or whatever. We don't care. But you, you have. and There was a debate and one of the people, I won't mention his name, was one millionaire was arguing with a billionaire about the distribution of wealth. And there was no moderator. This was brick of my head explode. There's no moderator there who's saying, What are you talking about? Oh, the distribution of what? He, what, what distribution? It's like there was a line there. A guy had dollar bills, and this guy kept getting in the line, kept getting the. There was no distribution. Well, wealth isn't distributed. It's earned in America. And everyone has a right to earn it. They can earn a billion or five billion or a zillion or a million or whatever illion you want to put on it. We we don't put a ceiling on that. And so this guy, he he spent a lot of money on a campaign that went nowhere. And then the news was he could have given a million dollars to every man, woman, and child in America for what he paid on his campaign. And I was thinking like, okay. I mean, the math will support it, but why would he do that? It's his money, and if he wants to give a million, every, you would get your check, right? He didn't want to do that. He wanted to spend it foolishly on a campaign that was going nowhere. God bless him. It's America. Throw all your money away, do whatever you want. Some people in advertising get very wealthy. Okay. But it's his money. That's kind of what I was thinking. Listen, I have a whole lot but it's mine, and nobody ought to steal it. I don't care if they steal it in the name of government. It's still stealing. How do I get off on that? Ah! But I want to be, on the other hand, when I employ somebody, I want to be very generous. I want to be, very, I want to be a, a really, really great boss. I want them to rise up and bless me and pray for my health and, and be very excited about going to work every day. I think what was talking about, and we have condemned and con, con, uh, killed the just because we've we've done it literally in our history. We have child labor that uh, you know laws are, we we have child labor laws because we used to employ children in a way that was unjust. And listen, everything that a country can do wrong, we've done it. And I'm not I'm not a social justice warrior, but I'm not blind to our history either. So this guy was talking to me. I was saying, I started telling the story. He was talking to me about slavery. And he was saying, "How did he, as a Christian nation. Christians own slaves. How did they do that? He looked at me standing eye to eye. And I'm like, boy, I was ashamed. I had nothing to say. I don't think real Christians did. And he's talking about like, you know, breeding with slave women so they could have more slaves. How does a Christian do that? And I said to him, "I this is hard for you to comprehend, but I don't think any Christians did. People, you know, look at, like, Jews look at Christians like during the Holocaust. How do Christians do what Christians did? I I don't think any Christians were involved at all. Oh, maybe a few misguided ones. Don't tell me about Adolf and his great love for the Savior. Please, don't go there. I'm not, that's going to be a real hard sell for somebody like me. We know you're Christians, because you do Christian things. We know you're Christian because the love you have one for another. Because you tr- when you trust Jesus as your Savior, this is somebody who knows what he's talking about. My life was horrific outside of Jesus Christ. I asked him to save me. And what happened? Invasion. Just, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, am I the only one who feels anything like, the Holy Spirit came in my life, right, and just invaded and just took over. Now I'm perfect? No, I'm You guys should have saw the before, of the before and after, and you'd be praising Jesus, okay? He, if any man be Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, well, they're passed away. I'm not a slave owner. I don't think I ever would have been, but I wouldn't be that person. When he came in, he just changed just simply everything. Oh, let me keep moving because time is going by. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And he's going to give us a couple of examples of patience. Behold, the husbandman. I'm a husbandman. I grow things. It's a hobby. It's not my vocation. It's my avocation. I really, I really enjoy growing. Some of you guys are gardeners. I know we've had the discussions. But I take stuff like this to heart because I understand. Behold, the husbandman. He waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. It is precious too. Nice. Tomato, cucumber, oh yummo. Thank you, Jesus. I just eaten one of them. Just praising the Lord. Wonderful stuff it is precious. He he behold the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receiveth the early and the latter rain. I love when it's really like hot and muggy in the summer. People don't like that. I love it. One I love it all the time just personally. And I love, like, it has that five-minute rain in the afternoon and clears off and it's hugely muggy after that and my garden's just going, the tomatoes going, oh, praise you, Lord, and the fruit's just all there and it's just a wonderful thing. Early in the latter rain. Now, some people think this is prophetic because there's verses in Scripture talk about the early in the latter rain, the former blessing and the, you know, the, the, and I think that's, there's something to that. Here, I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about, you know, spring rains and fall rains. With the idea, like, you know, blessing and more blessing. Be ye also patient. You understand how the husbandman, how the farmer does that, right? Like the same way, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Hey, listen. Any of you guys listen to J.D. Farag? He's a brother, a, a Calvary Chapel brother in Hawaii. Kenoe, Kenohoe. I don't know how to say that. Them Hawaiian names, they're tough, right? He, he's place in Hawaii, and he does the um, uh, uh, Prophecy Update every week. Anyone listen to that besides me? What are you guys listening to anyway? Just wondering. Joe Fosch, no, that's good. T-O-S, stop it. Just behave. Uh, but if you don't have that, um, just look at like... Um, Calvary Chapel, Hawaii, or J.D. Farag. It's F.A.R.A.G. He's a, I think he's a uh, Lebanese or he's some kind of ex-Muslim. He brought up in a Muslim household, but he converted to Jesus early on, and he 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 has a. I know a lot of you guys are listening to um, Amir Safarti, right? Because I know, because some of you guys Facebook and stuff like that. He's another one. He keeps you right up on what's going on. I could tell you, but there's more stuff I can I can tell you in a month of Sundays, plus every day in between, and I couldn't catch up to all the stuff that's happening all the time. We're at an incredible time in history. It's incredible, and. If you're paying attention, you're thinking like, "Oh, this is the final lap. Let's dig in. Let's leave. Let's let's collapse over the finish line. Let's leave nothing but tomorrow because I I don't think there's going to be that many tomorrow." I, I really kind of feel that way. I've always felt that way. You've said, Adam, you've been saying that for years. I know, and it keep, It makes me move ahead. It keeps me. I don't. I don't. I don't wait. I don't. I don't think I have enough time to sin and the stuff that we want to do. Where God's saying, "Hey, uh, I'm calling you. This. I think we have to start now." If you are going to see any kind of harvest at all, I don't. I don't believe in waiting. I'm. I, I just. I. I don't think it's a good thing. I live in the land of mañana. This is what my brother-in-law calls it. You take your car and it get fixed. Yeah, we'll get to it. Maybe, May, June. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I need it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Forget about it. Ain't going to happen. And people, they got no. Uh, Then they tell me, they tell me, you know, hey, you come from Boston, okay, we'll leave the rat race back there. Hey, I get that. I'm with you on that. I understand that. If I'm talking about a business, okay, if I go and I have dinner at your restaurant, I only get fed like four and a half hours from now. I'd come in four and a half hours from now if that's when I want to get fed a little intensity, okay? That's all I'm saying. And I think that's what we want in Christianity. I'm not talking about a rat race. I'm talking about a little intensity for the savior. Cuz we can put off and put off and put off for years and never do get around to doing what God's called us to do. And this whole verses against that and everything else. Again, I got to keep moving. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. That grudge not, I think, is going back to the hire of the laborers. Don't be, don't be so stingy. Your judge is standing right at the door. That, that God of angel armies, Jesus Christ, he's coming back. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh, verse 8. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Yeah, it's a good example. Isaiah, he's putting a log, The log was sawed in half. You know, Jeremiah was thrown down a well. Uh, we Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. People talk about the patience of Job tell me they don't know the, very much about the book at all. Here is what's talking, that's where we get that phrase, the patience of Job, but he's not talking about patience, he's talking about endurance. Okay, holding up under bearing up under tremendous pressure not just the ability to wait we count them happy which endure it's talking about endurance and he gives us the example of Job Job is the only place in the New Testament Job is mentioned and we understand we've stu- any guys here when we study Job a few one of my favorite studies the poetry, it's really, really, really hard to decipher. It really is. These Jewish people, rabbis, they say, we don't know what it talks about. They say the King James Version is really the best as far as the book of Job is concerned. They, the writers of the King James really got it good. And so even you know, people talk about it. And I, I listen to you know people comment and I read commentary. And boy, it's all over the place when it comes to the book of Job. But this part we know. He was a righteous man. there's a scene go- behind the scenes there's stuff going on in heaven that we don't know about that job doesn't know about, and we know because we've read his book that Satan comes to God and accuses job, and he accuses God actually he says, "Listen, yeah job's yeah, of course he's praising you. you're his sugar daddy, you're blessing him, you're giving it, you're bribing him. that's why he loves you, that's why he's serving you. And God says, "Yeah, you think so." Take all the stuff away. And he does. And Satan comes back and says, yeah, well, if you let me attack his health, that's when he'd start cursing you. You know, uh, well, go ahead and attack his health. Boy, you're thinking, I hope Satan's not up there talking to God about me. That <laughs> might not end up so good for me. Oh, it ended up great for you. It really will. It ended up great for Job. What do we see? We follow the whole story. He, a, he was in a rough place. Satan took all his livestock, all his wealth, all his children, left his wife. <laughs> Satan knows what to take and what to leave, right? She, well, I say that. I'm not saying uh, all, all your wives are like that. Please, please, <laughs> don't, don't misquote me here. Not all your wives are like that, but this one was. Cursed God and die, she says Thanks, honey. You're a you're a wealth of blessing to me. That, that's really good. To, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Satan's crazy. He's insane. He's still kill uh, still still kill and destroy, boy. He he would he would kill you in an instant if he could. Why doesn't he? Cause God. So at the end of it, what happens to Job? He's twice blessed. He gets everything double back, and I know that you know going through stuff isn't pleasant. I understand. I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. You keep you say, I don't know about you. We're rocking my miles. Everything's going great, and God's blessing. just keep breathing. You'll see. You'll have your hard days. That's it's called life. It's, it's a fallen world. It's and God takes us through these different trials to refine us. But you understand, the Lord is very pitiful, full of pity is what it should say. And he's of tender mercy. He's not indifferent to the plight of Job. He's not indifferent to your plight, your suffering. But above all things, my brethren, swear not. Uh, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Hey, listen. Listen. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Very plain spoken. You mean yes, say yes. You mean no, say no. Oh, I swear to God, I swear to God. Stop that. Uh, I always think that's a liar who's trying to gain credibility by bringing God into the scene. If you just tell the truth all the time, people will know it. They'll, they'll respond to that. They'll come, they'll, they'll sense that. They'll, they'll intuit that. I've had people come. Well, I'm going to ask Adam why, because he never lies. I've had people say that makes my head go. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Uh, but I try really to be. Uh, listen, I've made a promise to you. I made a promise. I won't lie. I won't take this. And and because if I, you know, because Calvary Chapel is like any other uh, group, right? I, herd mentality. So if you're like a Baptist and you're preaching as a Baptist, I like, you know I shy away from these verses and I push these verses because we don't do that at Calvary Chapel or not knowingly. I will never try to so I can stay with the herd. I won't I won't do it. Listen, everyone lies to you, all the time. You watch the news, they do nothing but lie. You you read Facebook. I, was watching, I read something that yesterday Suze has shown me. They lie all the time. Everyone lies to you. And nobody has lied to you like you have lied to you. You say, what do you say that for? Because nobody's ever lied to me like I've lied to me. And I don't mean way back when before I was saved. I mean now. You can't trust yourself. Trust God. And I promise, I won't lie. Now, I also have promised, you might not like the truth, but that's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to just, and I don't, I swear to God, this is is what the Bible says. Just say it. Just say it. Just let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Anything else we can say about that? Otherwise, it's you fall into condemnation, is any among you afflicted? Yes. (laughs) I mean, yes. It's a rhetorical question, right? The answer is always yes. In, in a church like this, right, everybody's got things going. Every day is a holiday, and every meal is a banquet, and it's just going better and better and cool all the time, right? No. I know some of the stuff. You know, a brother was through a car wreck this week that, thank God, didn't total his car, but he walked away from it. A drummer, just in case you didn't know that. Uh is that a kind of suffering thing? I don't know. If I have to go go get a new car, it's kind of a suffering thing. Yeah, yeah. Like coming close to dying, that's kind of a suffering thing. A sister here, she's got her arm in a sling, not because she thinks it's a good fashion statement. She's got, was it surgery on your shoulder? How does it feel? Does it feel good? You want to go pitch for the Red Sox? No. There's suffering all over the place. So that. They'll sit up and pay attention. And there's probably a lot of stuff going on that people aren't telling me about all the time. I know this happens, right? Is any among you afflicted? Let them pray. You're saying, duh. No, it's, it's non-obvious. Let me tell you why. Because a lot of times things are going bad and we want to blame God. I, listen, I can't figure out all the things I, I know in, in life. I really can't. I know this, God loves me. And if he allows something in my life, I, I don't, he doesn't like, okay, this is what's going to happen next. Okay, It's going to be really tough to deal with. Here's the instructions. This is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to behave. Wouldn't that be nice? The you know, open book test. Well, it kind of is an open book test. Trust me, I know what I'm doing, and I love you. That's kind of hard. In a situation, because we always want to blame God. Why is this? And how come this? And ask all the how come questions. He doesn't owe us an answer. He rarely ever does answer us. And at the end of it, we're supposed to have faith and trust Him, like Job. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Sing psalms. Uh, you can be afflicted and merry at the same time. I know because I usually am. There's a a part of my life that God is working on me and there's always an affliction, there's always something going on, there's always something that needs attention, there's always something that... And there's always something that God's blessing and God's like, you know, doing really good things in. I don't know probably, and sometimes there's such a blessing that it kind of focuses me, like just my attention's all on that, and the stuff that's not going so great, yeah, that's fine, we'll get to it later. And there's sometimes the things that are so miserable in my life, it kind of focus my attention, so it's just on that. And all the blessings in my life, I kind of lose focus and they kind of put them on the back burner. But that's called life. When we do that, or we have a tendency to do that. When things are going good, praise God. When things are going bad, bad pray to God. And praise Him. I mean... There's so many verses on this. Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. So am I sick? that I mean because I'm sinful? Possibly, but not probably. And we can't make that determination ever. Susan's had a runny nose for like about a week now. Horrible wicked girl that you are two weeks he's saying well because you're double miserable because you're double sinner right no because you probably shook somebody's hand who just sneezed and gave you some sort of bug or virus that's not kind of works a lot of time Will god let allow somebody to become sick or will he punish people with sickness we've seen it in scripture We've seen it as a warning against, you know, taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Because of this reason, many of you are sick, and many are even many even sleep. He won't be trifled with. Is that scripture? It really is. That name it, claim it, you've got to go to a different church. We don't we don't push that. We don't peddle that here. I can give you a million examples where that's absolutely wrong doctrine. You're sick, what does that mean? It means you're in a fallen world where germs are. Coronavirus gonna come and get you. I'm not nerved up about it. I don't. I'm not one to live kind of nerved up. I let God, I have faith in God, and let in. You know, and wash your hands and do the common sense things that, you know, the CDC and others will tell you to do, or whatever. Is there anyone you sick? Like, well, call the elders of the church, because I always had people pray over me when I'm sick. Because why? Because scripture says so. Why would I just? Oh no, don't worry about it. It's nothing. I'll take. You know, like. Why is that a thing? We well, ain't ashamed to pray over you. Ask. Ask and ye shall receive. Here it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. So, what happens if you get a cold and we pray over you, and a week later you're better? He's <laughs> you saying, Well, that could have happened without prayer. Maybe. Listen, I don't know all I know about prayer. I've been praying for a long time, and I, I, I tell you this, God answers all prayers. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes it's wait. Sometimes he answers, and sometimes he answers right away. I don't know. People always ask, I, I don't know. I'm just like you, trying to figure it all out. And in a way, I ain't really am. Uh, how many people here have been praying for something for a long time that hadn't happened yet? All of us, of course. Look around, everyone's hands go up. You will do this and you will do it now. Or what are you going to do? Go on a hunger strike? I'll get him over a barrel. I'll make him do what I tell him to do. What's that? Because you all raise your hands there because you all have no faith. You all understand that, right? Psst, that's silly. That's just, doesn't even, it won't even pass a, a, a straight face test. People tell us that people who used to be among us who aren't among us now tell us that, and it's all because of your lack of faith. They keep using that like it's some big insult. I'm saying, okay, whatever. I try to have more. You know. Very helpful. Very helpful when people... You know, you're suffering anyway. And I, I tell you, you remember when we lost Nicole, and there was someone who told her parents it's because of their lack of faith. That was helpful. That was super helpful. That was really godly and good of you. Thank you for that encouragement, Barnabas. You got any other words that, of wisdom that we should all? Oh, man. Yeah, I know, you're all shaking your head. I know, we all feel the same way. Imagine it, but that's the outworking of that kind of really bad doctrine. No, but it's, it's what it tells you. Any sick among you? Hey, we'll pray. We always have prayer at the end. Always. I see some around you, just around a room, and you guys are praying together. That's fine. Okay? Um, does it matter if it's elders or not? I, look, I'm reading the same verse as you are, and he's sick among you. I'm called to the elders of the church. And the word there is let him pray over him. Anointing him with oil is oiling him with oil. <laughs> That's what it says, okay? In real, what, if, if I were to translate in, a, in a modern day English, in the name of the Lord. Is oil important? It's a it's a symbol. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Is a symbol important? I don't know. It's important enough to be included here. I have some oil here. Uh, and is the name of the Lord important? Yeah, yeah. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. And if committed sins, if we're not we're not going to call on you to repent from your sins and t- and. I want you to enumerate them and renounce them. And No, we don't. Listen, here's the thing. You you guys have sin in your life? Ask forgiveness. He's more anxious to forgive you and clear the air than you are to have your sins forgiven. I think repentance is a wonderful word. It has been with me for a long, long time in my life. I don't have all these unconfessed sins in my life. I just... Don't. Why would you? It's like me and Suze are at loggerheads about one thing or another. Well, we never are, but just imagine for the sake of the illustration. So we we divorce now? We unmarried? No, but we have something in between us. Why don't we just clear the air and get on with our lives? That's how I look at it. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and a righteous lady. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person, righteous man, avails a whole bunch. Really? Well, look, Elijah, he was a man like, he was just like us. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth for the space of three three years and six months. Because so it ain't going to rain till I say it's going to rain, says to Ahab. What happened? It didn't. What's, that, what's Elijah doing? I bet he's reading in the Old Testament where you turn from me to idols and I'll withhold the rain. He's saying, God, there's still blessing, And the whole nation's against you. Why don't you do what you say you're going to do? Well, he had faith in the word of God. And God, I suppose, probably spoke to his heart and said, you go tell the king that and I'm going to make it so. Imagine standing before the king say, he ain't raining till I say it's raining. Three and a half years, it didn't rain. What's the difference between you, Elijah? Nothing. Same God. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, the earth brought forth its fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, turns him back, causes him to repent, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So we talk to the sinner and we say, hey, come back, repent. What happens? We we. we and now here's always the question we're talking about spiritual death. we're talking about physical death. Your call I think it's I think it's physical death. I think it's we're talking about somebody who's turning from the Lord, living a life All, all sin is life shortening. sin isn't life expanding. you live life against life, it'll shorten your life, okay it's not gonna my drug addiction, uh, unsafe sex with a multiplicity of partners, uh, you know, drunkenness, my just, these things don't promote longevity. Right? Obeying your mom and dad does. Scripture says that you may live long. And there you go. Yeah, I almost said that. <laughs> she finishes my sentences. 41 years, you know how it is. You guys have been married a while, you know how it is. Uh, what she says, is prosper because I said live long, I almost said live long and prosper because she said it because she knew I almost said it. It's funny it, to me. <laughs> he that converts the sinner from the error his way shall save a soul from death, shall hide a multitude of sins. Hey, stop that. It's not going to promote longevity. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Your life is a joke. It's going in the wrong direction. You're going to end up dead. You're going to shorten your days. God's going to say at some point, you ain't following what I told you to do. I gave you a job. doesn't look at this point like you're going to do it at all. So he says, well, will not you come on home and just, because you ain't, is that what he's saying? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I think so. And you know, it's back in 1 Corinthians, you know, taking the Lord's uh, Supper in an unworthy manner. Is that life extending or life shortening? Turn away from sin. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's the long and short of it. Okay, let's. Our worship team is going to come and lead us out here and song. The rest of us can stand. We'll pray. Lord, we thank you for this uh, wonderful epistle. So uh, practical, so full of good things. And Lord, we again, you know, as the book tells us, we don't want to be hearers only. We know if we do what Your Word says, that there's a blessing in it. We take Your Word seriously, Lord. We pray that it would be a real blessing to us. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make His face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance upon thee, give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. Everything I want How dear I count it All as loss Lead me To the cross Where your love pours